Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning. Uh, please join me uh, with your apps or your Bibles. It's Romans 3, be verse 20 to 24. Again, that's Romans 3. Verse 20 to 24. I'll be reading from the ESV translation. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ and all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. The redemption of that is in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Would you join with me in prayer as we prepare hearts for the message that God has for us today? Let's pray. Almighty, how powerful, how wonderful, how beautiful, majestic, loving, kind, gracious, honest, truthful God. We give you our praise and our worship. We ask that your spirit would fill us, that the blood of Christ would cleanse us, that your love would fill us and overpower us. And Lord, help us to make a difference in the lives of those around us and around the world. Lord, continue to change us into Christ's likeness and use this message as one of the ways you do so. Lord, I present myself as your servant and ask that your spirit would speak truth through me for the glory of our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Amen. I'd like to start today with pointing out some things that we have gotten wrong. We were told that the Great Wall of China can be seen from space, and as the astronauts orbit the Earth, they can see the Great Wall of China. That's not true. It's more than 1,500 miles long, but it's really not that huge, and they can't see it from space. We got that wrong. I'm told that they can see the Giza pyramids from space, and they're like little blotches on the Earth, but not the Great Wall of China. Something else we got wrong. We were told that if you were to go up the Empire State Building and drop a penny off it, that the penny would get faster and faster, and if it were to hit a passerby in the head, it would crack their skull and kill them. So please don't drop pennies off the Empire Stapling. Not true. We got that wrong. The show Mythbusters proved that, and a penny will reach terminal velocity of about 50 miles an hour, and there's wind gusts and things like that. And it might sting if it hit you, but it's certainly not going to crack the human skull. And you've perhaps been told by your mom or, or maybe a teacher that you're only using 10% of your brain. Not true. When they map the brain, they can see that different functions of your body and your thinking affect different areas of your brain. And so we don't have 90% of the gray matter that's sitting there unused. At least that's true for most of us. <laughs> And then something else we got wrong. We were told that bulls were enraged by the color red, and that's why matadors have those capes that are red, and the bull charges the red cape. Well, bulls are colorblind. 
They're charging the movement of the cape, not the color. We got that wrong. Something else we got wrong. A year and a half ago, we were told two weeks to flatten the curve. Got that one wrong. Oh, wait. No, COVID will be gone by Easter, and the churches will be packed. Got that wrong. Oh, no, we mean by summer. Oh, no, no, no. We mean by fall. (laughs) I guess they didn't tell us what year. We got that wrong. And last on my list of things that we've gotten wrong is this. The belief that if your good works outweigh your bad works, that God will let you into heaven. Not true. And that is the message of Romans chapter 3. Or to put it another way, as I've stated it in your sermon outline, you can pull that out, and if you can get it at the door or the PDF icon if you're watching online. Number one, God's rules, they call that the law in the book of Romans and other places in Scripture, God's rules reveal sin. Reveal sin, they don't remove sin. They don't remove sin. The Apostle Paul's Jewish kinsmen had developed a very strongly held but erroneous belief that if they kept God's law, that would grant them righteousness, right standing with God, and they would be able to spend eternity with Him. Well, as you might know, there are 613 laws in the Mosaic Law that they would have to keep. And they had this flawed thinking that the more you kept the more likely you would have merit with God and earn salvation. And this flawed, widely held, erroneous belief that your good works, if they outweigh your bad works, will grant you eternal life, is held in various forms in religions all around the world. Muslims believe it. Mormons believe it. Hindus believe it in some fashion. And most what we would call cultural Christians believe it too. If they are good enough that they will go to heaven because their good works outweigh their bad works. And this is one of those things that we have gotten wrong as a world. And that, as I said, is the main thrust of Romans chapter 3, as we'll see today. And it's going to be further developed in chapter 4 of Romans, where Paul illustrates this with the lives of two great Jewish men, Abraham, the father of the Jews, the first Jew, and King David, the greatest of the human kings of Israel who will someday co-reign with Christ. That they too were not saved by their good works. Turn with me to jump right into the middle of a verse in chapter 3, verse 20, which makes this truth extremely clear. This is a good verse for you to underline, highlight, mark in some way, and that would please me and it would probably benefit you as well. Romans 3.20, because by the works of the law, good works, keeping the law, no flesh, no person will be justified in his sight. We're going to get to what that word justified means in a moment, but basically it means you're not saved. For through the law, and in this case, he's talking about the 613 laws of the Mosaic law, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Because God's rules reveal your sin. 
They don't remove it. Another verse that says exactly the same thing as verse 28. You might want to highlight this one as well. Romans 3.28, Paul says the same thing again. For we maintain that a man, in other words, a man or woman, a person, is justified, they're saved by faith apart from works of the law. You are not saved by your good works. No one is saved by their good works. And that's one thing you certainly don't want to get wrong because it affects your eternal destiny. God's rules, the law, reveal sin. They don't remove sin. Someone has said that God's rules are like a mirror. They're not like a washcloth. A mirror can reveal that your face is dirty, but it's not going to clean it. And God's law is like a mirror. It shows you that you need cleaning, and that was the purpose of the law, to show you that you don't measure up. The law was never given to offer salvation, to provide salvation, or as a means of salvation. Even Christians today are often confused, and they think there are two methods of salvation. That the Old Testament people were saved by keeping the law, and the New Testament people are saved by putting faith in Christ. And that's not true. There's always only been one method of salvation. Sins can only be removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And salvation only comes through faith in God, not by works. Don't get that wrong. Well, now that we've made chapter 3 simple and easy, and you go, oh, I understand chapter 3. Now we're going to complicate it, just like the Apostle Paul does. He uses these big, you know, $100 theological words that we need to learn. And so we're going to go back and understand some of these words that are extremely important to understand. And if you look at your outline, we're going to give you some definitions. If you're watching online, this is not the time to go out and get a second cup of coffee or to use the restroom, unless you hit pause, because this is good stuff. It's important. Okay, so look at your outlines. Here we go. Some important definitions. The word righteousness, that means being right with God being right with God. And as we go through these definitions, you might want to see if you can fill in the blank before I say them. That way you'll have a better idea if you actually know the definitions. Righteousness is being right with God. And who doesn't want to be right with God? When you die and you stand before the judgment, the judge of all the universe and all people, don't you want to be on the right side? (laughs) Don't you want to have his favor? That's righteousness, being right with God. The next word is the word justification. And that means to be declared righteous, declared righteous. Now, righteous is being right with God, and justification is being declared righteous or being declared right with God. And this is a legal term. You might want to jot that down. It's a legal term. It's where the judge declares you are not guilty. You're not guilty. And this is the first stage of three stages of your salvation. Your salvation has three stages. The first one is justification, where God says, I declare you not guilty. And the reason he does that is because you have put your faith in Christ, not because of any good works you have done. Notice what Paul says in Romans 3. We're going to pick it up in verse 20, a verse that you've already underlined, and then we'll look at verse 23 and verse 24. So Romans 3.20 Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. No flesh will be declared righteous. No flesh will be declared right with God. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law reveals sin. Now, verse 23. For all have sinned. Everybody. No exceptions. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't come even close to being perfect and holy like God. Verse 24, being justified, there's that word again. In other words, being declared righteous, being declared right with God, being justified as a gift. It's a free gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And redemption is a word that just means to buy back. It was often used of people who were in slavery and they were redeemed or bought out of the slave market. So redemption is you have been purchased by Jesus Christ. Justification, declared righteous. And what that means is, if you look at your notes, that you are saved from the penalty of sin. Because the judge has said not guilty, he said there's not going to be any penalty, and the penalty for sin is death, both physical and spiritual, and he's saying you won't die spiritually, and remember death is not cessation, death is always separation. Physical death is a separation of your body and soul, you don't cease to exist, your body and soul are separated for a time. And spiritual death is where your soul or spirit is separated from God for all eternity. You don't cease to exist, but you're separated from God. And God has saved us from the penalty of spiritual death, declared us not guilty. That's justification. But the next stage of your sanctification, which you are presently in, if you have already been justified, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the second stage is called sanctification. And this is the process of becoming more righteous. Becoming more righteous. You've been declared righteous, but now you need to act like it. You need to act like you're saved. And sanctification is the process, the daily process, of struggling with temptation and sin and then when you give in, to have to for, repent and to experience forgiveness. I heard a story back in the 1940s. There was a big, burly man who, who worked as a dock worker, kind of a foul-mouthed guy. And he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And shortly after that one day at work, he, he was out on the docks, and he was going to take a little smoke break, and he pulled out his cigar, and he's uh, smoking his cigar. When a fellow dock worker comes up to him and says, Hey, Joe, how's it? And uh, he said, I, I thought you said you were a Christian, and you smoke? And Joe took the cigar out of his mouth and looked at it and looked at the man. He took the cigar, and he threw it in the sea, and he said, I used to smoke, but I don't anymore. Now, the point of that story has nothing to do with your cigar smoking. It has everything to do with your actions once you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You see, when you ask Jesus as your Savior and you are justified, you enter the second stage of sanctification, and you should start looking different. And God might be more concerned about what you do on social media or how much time you spend watching TV or the shows you watch or the fact that you never open your Bible. He might be more concerned about those things than whether you smoke a cigar or not. So I'm not picking on cigars. I'm picking on you. <laughs> Sanctification. The process of becoming more righteous. That is a daily process. And the second stage, a lifelong process, you are being saved, if you look at your notes, from the power of sin. The power of sin in your life. Sin 
wants to control you, but once you ask Jesus, the scriptures tell us in Romans, you're no longer a slave to sin. You don't have to obey it. But you need help. I need help. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit to give us some supernatural help to overcome this flesh that wants to get us to sin. And in Romans chapters 6, 7, and 8, Paul will deal with this whole area of sanctification, our second stage of salvation, Romans 6 through 8. And in chapter 7, the Apostle Paul even gives a little autobiography. He talks about his own struggle with sin and how he, he knows what he should do and he doesn't do it. And he does what he knows he shouldn't do, and it's a struggle, and we all have that struggle. Now, here at KCC, we have an acronym that I'd like to remind you of or to teach you for the first time if you haven't heard it. It's the acronym D-A-Y, DAY. The D stands for desire. And you need, as a Christian, to desire to have the Holy Spirit lead you, guide you, fill you, empower you. And if you have that desire, then A is ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to guide you, to teach you, to lead you. And he will do so. And then when you hear that still small voice, or you read a scripture, or God sends another Christian to give you some advice, you have to decide whether you are why, yield, you are going to yield to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. You don't have to do it. You're not a robot. He doesn't force you. You have a free will. But the Holy Spirit guides you, and you decide whether you're going to do what he wants you to do. So when you hear this still, small voice, and it tells you to do something, often it's something that you weren't planning to do, but it's a good thing. In other words, maybe uh, it's a financial thing, and you hear this voice, instead of spending that on you, why don't you give it to so-and-so, or give it away, or give it to the church? And you could suppress that voice, or you can listen to it. And if you yield to it, even following the Holy Spirit, if you don't yield to it, well, then you've grieved the Holy Spirit and you're back at D because you didn't desire to be led by the Spirit. And you've got to go back to D, desire it. Then you've got to ask again, and then you yield. I'd like to jump ahead to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, where Paul makes this quite clear. You might know this chapter. It has what's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit in it toward the end. But we're going to pick it up in verses 6 to 18 of Galatians 5. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk means live. Let Him lead you. This is the Holy Spirit. You need to live by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, are you living by the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit the one who's dictating, leading, guiding you, filling you, giving you information for all your decisions? Did I say all your decisions? I said all your decisions. Absolutely. Walk by the Spirit. This is sanctification. And if you do that, you will not. And that not there is a double Greek negative, which is an extremely strong negative in Greek. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's sinful flesh. For the flesh, your sinful flesh, your sinful nature, sets its desire against the Spirit. And Paul talks about this in Romans 7. And the Spirit against the flesh. We're at war. We don't want to do the things the Holy Spirit does by nature. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, you don't need the law to tell you what is right and wrong, because the Holy Spirit is telling you what is right and wrong. You don't need a lot of rules and regulations and say, I don't know what to do here. The Holy Spirit internally in you now guides you if you choose to let him guide that's sanctification, which brings us to the third stage of 
your salvation, which is called glorification. Glorification. And this final stage is when you and I go to be with Jesus, we're in his presence, and we are made righteous. We are made righteous. We've been declared righteous, that's the first stage. We have been becoming more righteous, that's the second stage. But finally, in glorification, we are made righteous. And the Apostle Paul in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 30, gives us a list of things that lead up to this last stage. And in Romans 8.30, look at it with me, verse 30, he says, And whom he predestined, the Greek word proorizo, which has the idea of being predetermined, is a better translation here. And whom he predetermined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. We talked about justified, the first stage of salvation. In this list, Paul doesn't mention the next stage, but he mentions the last stage of salvation. Whom he justified, he also glorified. And that's the final stage of salvation. It started with God predetermining that he was going to provide Jesus Christ for us and sending out a calling. And those who respond to that calling are justified. And eventually they will be glorified. They will be made righteous. And this third and final stage of your salvation, if you look at your notes, that means you will be saved from the presence of sin. You will be saved from the very presence of sin. Not only will you be set free from sinning, there won't be any sin or temptation around you. You'll never be tempted again. You'll never have to try to resist sin. You will be saved from the very presence of sin, separated forever from that glory. So those are the three stages. Justification, you're saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, you're being saved from the power of sin. And glorification, you will be saved from the presence of sin. Or you could say this way, if someone asks you, are you saved? You could say, yes, well, I'm being saved, or not yet. Because it's three stages. You are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. And it's a package deal. So you can't have one without getting the other. It's guaranteed that you will be glorified once you've been justified, as Paul points out in Romans 8, verse 30, the verse we just read. Okay, now we have just one more really important word I, I want to define that Paul uses, and it's the word propitiation. Isn't that a word that just kind of rolls off your tongue? Propitiation. Let's define it. Propitiation is to satisfy God's wrath to satisfy God's wrath. Because God is holy, he gets angry over sin, a righteous anger, of course. And because God is just, he has to punish sin and sinners and pour out his wrath. Justice requires God's wrath. And as I've mentioned many times before, God doesn't isolate his attributes. He doesn't suspend one attribute so that he can exercise another one. All of them are operating at the same time. God is always all those things. So you say, is wrath kind? We had a sermon on kindness. Yes, it's kind. God doesn't suspend kindness to show wrath. He doesn't suspend love to show wrath. He has all those attributes simultaneously and for those who really care, that's what theologians call the doctrine of simplicity. In other words, God has no parts. If he had parts, you could remove one and add one and remove one and add one, and he wouldn't be perfect. So the doctrine of simplicity says God is a whole. He's one. God is one, the scripture tells us. 
Well, that's just a little bonus sidelight. Let's continue on. <laughs> you and I deserve God's wrath, but God sent His Son, Jesus, who stepped in and took the hit for us. He was punished for us. He suffered God's wrath on the cross. Jesus died and paid the penalty, and that satisfies God's wrath. And so He is our propitiation. Propitiation to satisfy God's wrath. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. Notice, as we continue reading in Romans 3, verses 24 to 27. Verse 24, being justified as a gift, we saw that, justified, declared righteous as a gift, right standing before God by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. He bought us out of the slave market of sin, whom God displayed publicly, that's on the cross, as a, and here's our word, propitiation, as the satisfaction, the satisfaction of God's wrath. God displayed publicly as a propitiation. God's wrath was satisfied by His blood through faith, through your faith in what Jesus did, shedding His blood. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God, He passed over the sins previously committed. That phrase, He passed over, is referring to the Old Testament that when they offered animal sacrifices, those sins weren't removed. They were covered. And that was like saying, we're covering this until Jesus comes and removes those sins. So those sins still had not been forgiven. They'd just been passed over. They'd been covered by the blood of bulls and goats. But now Jesus' blood removes those sins, as we're told very clearly in the book of Hebrews, that the blood of bulls and goats cannot remove sin, only the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 27, where then is boasting? If you earned salvation by your good works, you could say, well, I earned it. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. It's not by anything you've done. By what kind of law or works? Do you earn your salvation by keeping the law or doing works? No. But by the law, the rule of faith. You get heaven. You get forgiveness. You get righteousness. You satisfy God's wrath when you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Not anything that you think you can do to merit salvation. And that is the honest-to-God truth, and it's amazing. And to some people, because it's so amazing, it's unbelievable. Well, there are a lot of amazing and perhaps somewhat unbelievable truths. Let me list some. I was reading uh, yesterday, did you know that Dorito corn chips are flammable? And if you're in a pinch, you can use them as kindling to start your campfire. I haven't tried it yet because I don't really like Doritos, but maybe I'll start liking them because now they have a purpose. Another truth. About 30 years ago, American Airlines, their executives got together and said, we have to save money. How can we save money? Well, they came up with a plan, and they decided that they would no longer give the first-class passengers an olive. Every first-class passenger got one olive, okay? And they decided that they'd cut back on the olives. By doing that, they saved $40,000 a year, $40,000 a year, and that was in 1980 dollars, which, you know, actually had some value. Amazing and seemingly unbelievable. Well, here's another amazing and seemingly unbelievable fact, a truth. Did you know that the most successful pirate in history was a woman, was a woman by the name of Ching Shi, and she had over 1,800 pirate ships. 
and over 80,000 men who served under her as pirates. Unbelievable. That was back in the 19th century. You can look it up. And you know those annoying roosters that seem to be kind of everywhere now in, in our little town of Kailua? Well, did you know one reason they're so annoying is that when they crow, they can crow at uh, over 100 decibels, which is the sound of a chainsaw, but they've even been measured to crow over 140 decibels, which is the sound that can destroy your ears on an active aircraft carrier when the jets are landing and taking off. And so why don't roosters go deaf, or are they deaf? Well, scientists have recently discovered that roosters have their own earplugs, and as soon as they put their head back and open their beaks, the external auditory canals um, are shut, so they can't hear themselves crow or they go deaf. Of course, I guess if they were deaf, that would solve the problem too. <laughs> well, that's a list of, of strange and, and unbelievable truths, but I want to give you another one, and with this, we'll be finishing up today. It's number two on your outline there. It's an unbelievable, amazing, but truthful fact. Number two, childlike faith in Jesus. Childlike faith in Jesus, not your good works, is your entrance to heaven. Childlike faith, not your good works, is your entrance to heaven. And that is the truth that's taught in Romans chapter 3. And no matter what things you've gotten wrong in life, make sure it isn't this one. And if you've gotten it right, please make sure that your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your loved ones get it right as well. The childlike faith in Jesus, not your good works, is your entrance to heaven. And that, friends, is the truth. And truth matters. Would you pray with me? And even if you're watching online, would you continue to listen and even bow your heads as we pray together? Lord, you are a gracious God giving us what we don't deserve or earn offering us eternal life through Jesus Christ. As we pray, if you're listening, if you've been trying to earn your way to heaven, if you've never received Jesus by a simple act of faith, then you're not going to heaven. And I urge you right now, wherever you are, to stop and make the most important decision of your life. Recognize that Jesus died for your sins on the cross that God wants to declare you not guilty, but you have to exercise faith, you have to exercise belief, and say, tell God, I believe that Jesus died for me. Save me, Lord, and he will. Lord, help us to carry out the second stage of our salvation, the sanctification. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to yield to him so that we can live more righteous lives and that we as Christians would look significantly different than the unsaved people around us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help me. And we pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.